Now, guys, y'all are going to have to bear with me, okay? Now, I've, I've, I've never done PowerPoint. This will be my first PowerPoint. Um, I haven't preached since 2001. And there's been a, a good reason for it. And it's not because I haven't had opportunity here. But any time I've had opportunity, I've, I've found a time to be busy. You know, Brother Keith has asked me several times to speak, and I've just drug my feet in, in preaching. And for some of you that don't know me, I started out in youth ministry back in 96 in around Tallahassee, Florida. And I had, years before then, went through a school of ministry in um, Cairo, Georgia. And when I stepped into youth ministry in 96, I thought I knew everything and there wasn't much you could tell me, and I was very prideful and pretty much full of myself. So, in, and at that time in my life, pulpit ministry was like the goal of ministry. So, there was a time in my life I thought, man, if I could just preach, if I could just get there, get, just preach, if God would just open the door and let me preach. Well, when I finally got there, I was like, oh, Lord, what in the world have you put me in? <laughs> and um, went through a lot of hard times, but it was really some conditioning that I've needed in my life. And two and a half years ago, when the leadership of this church asked me and Brandy to step in the youth ministry, I was at a place in my life, and still am, that I don't feel like I know much other than Jesus. And I have a heart and a desire to know him more. And there's something that Bill Johnson spoke that just echoes in my spirit. And it's, it's no longer about my ministry. You know, we were taught in ministry, serving other man's ministry, and then God will promote you in your ministry. So it's still all about ministry and the pulpit. And, and um, something's changed in me. And one of the things Bill Johnson has spoke is about the next generation. And when I look at the, the kids today, I don't see a future church. I don't see future leaders. I see leaders. I see the church. And for too long, we in the body of Christ has, have viewed them as something that's going to be instead of something that is. And... You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, most of the body of Christ, or the church in general, has looked at that scripture and said, if we can just get them to church, okay? If we can just get them to church, or if we can get them involved in programs, or, you know, just get them involved in what God is doing, and... But the scripture says, and when they are old, they won't depart. Well, what we've come to find out that our programs and the church has somewhere we've missed it. Because when some of them's getting old, and I don't know what old to you is. Um, the kids think I'm ancient. So, um, but when they're old, they're, they're still departing. 
So there's something that we, 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 we're missing something. And I think what we're missing, Sister Janie, if you'll go to the next, next one. This is the Amplified. Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart. Now, where we have failed is by treating kids and, and young people as individuals and identifying the gift within them. So what we've done is we've kind of herded them in like cows and, and have done our best to get them to say a sinner's prayer and get a notch on our Bibles or on our belts that we got one saved instead of being challenged with identifying the gift in them and treating them as individuals. And what we've done is we've taken a, a cookie cutter mold and, and have just said this is what Christianity is, this is what it looks like, smells like, tastes like, feels like, and this is what you've got to fit into. And what we've got to do is we've got to identify the gift within them and who they are and allow them to express who they are and where they are. That's the challenge. Now, there's something, if you go to the next one, fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not irritate or provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Now, what we've done by herding them in or just bringing them to church or bringing them to programs is we frustrated our kids. And we've provoked them to anger and resentment toward, toward what the church is. Because we said what we've said without saying it is you can't be who you are. You've, get, you've got to be what we think you need to be. You know, you've got to have your hair a certain way. You've got to have your dress a certain way. And, and don't get me wrong, there, there's, there's standards in walking with Christ, but it's Christ that brings the standards. Christ didn't try to get Peter to be Paul. And he didn't try to get Paul to be Peter. Christ identified each one of them for who they were, and he drew the gift and who they were out of them and released them in the freedom to be who they were. Now, that's our challenge. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about Jesus is Jesus went about doing and teaching. So a lot of times he did something, and then he taught what he did. Now, this is something we've been walking out since for two and a half years now, and when we started out, we, we were really just bombed at it. Um, six to eight months, we just stunk. Me and Brandy just stunk. We, we couldn't get it together. We couldn't, I mean, we didn't have a clue. And a lot of times we still feel like we don't have a clue. But we have a better clue than what we did two and a half years ago. Um, and people have really stepped up in their anointing and their grace that God has given them, even with our helpers. You know, instead of trying to get Cheryl to, to do lead music or something else, if, if we can plug into Cheryl's giftings and anointing and let her express her faith to the kids through what God's done in her and, and has gifted her for, and then Miss Heidi in her area, and then Clarissa in her area. And when it all begins to come together, we want to allow the kids to express their creativity and what God has given them.
whether what whether it's art or drama or um, music or whatever it is. And and you know I don't think we've even touched the surface of what creative abilities are out there, or even what creativity is. Um, I know I know I haven't. I'm, I'm just coming into an understanding of it. Um, I don't want our kids frustrated. I don't want my kids frustrated. Um, I want to see them reach their destiny. Destiny, and since January, what we have begun to teach is we began to teach the kids to begin to hear the voice of the Lord. If you'll go to the next one, sister. In in Psalms one twenty seven three, it says, "Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb is His generous legacy." Now, there's no greater gift that you can leave your kids in your uh, a legacy of faith. The faith in, in, in God, faith in Jesus. And it's no longer focused on ministry, but the kingdom. You know, when we ever, whenever I God shifted in my slow head at times, ministry versus the kingdom. I mean, it's kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's not about... You know, pulpit ministry, it and I could take it or leave it. I mean, ministry is on the streets and with the kids and with adults and people. You know, true ministry is far beyond these doors, far beyond these walls. And we've got to begin to pray. And what we begin to pray with the teens is, God, show us the avenue or the, 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 the way to get into our community, get, in, get into Jessup, get into Wayne County and express what we're being taught. Now, we have a safe environment here. We have a safe environment to grow in the prophetic. And, and, you know, to make it real simple, prophetic. Hearing God's voice and speaking it out. That, that, that's prophecy. It's real simple. We make it, real, we make it too difficult. Hearing God's voice and speaking it out. Um, can kids hear God's voice? Absolutely. And I'm going to show you in Scripture in a few minutes. Um, But we pray that not only will God begin to open the door and show us how to get outside these four walls, but to give us the grace and wisdom to operate out there. You know, it's it's easy, or it can be easy in a safe environment, but we've got to get outside the safe environment. The safe environment is to put us in the not-so-safe environment. And when I say safe environment, it's when you can operate and train without being stoned to death because you get it wrong. You know, we want to walk up into the kids into school or into the streets. You know, I'm not talking about sending kids out there where they, without adults. I'm talking about just releasing them in good places and begin to operate prophetically and see people's lives changed. Um, I also believe that if we teach the kids to hear the voice of the Lord, that it changes a God they know of and the God they know. Now, intimacy with my wife wouldn't be too much intimacy is if I was the only one that ever talked and I never listened. Now, if I'm the one that's always talking and never listening, I guarantee you we wouldn't have Hannah and Elijah. So, I mean, if you think about it. So, intimacy with God has got to be 
a two-way conversation. It's got to be a conversation. And for too long, we've taught kids to pray, but never take the time to listen. So we've got to give them the opportunity and teach them how to listen and that they don't have to be super spiritual, the, 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 the elite Christian, to be able to hear the voice of God. And just as they are in receiving Christ, they're spiritual. Um, if you'll go to the next one. Now, here's our goal, or one of our goals. In Psalms 127.4, Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Now, let me ask you a question. How many kids, how many of y'all have Xboxes or Playstations or any game console at your house? Y'all look around for a second. How many of y'all bought that with your own money? Okay, one. Now, let me tell you something. The world has figured something out, okay? They have figured something out, and the church is starting to get a clue. But the world knows that through, their, through your kids, they can target you. They can target you. That's proof right there. They didn't spend their money. They spent yours. So the world, through MTV, Nickelodeon, Disney, and marketing schemes, target our ki- or use our kids to target your pocketbook. Now... It's time the church wakes up in Psalms 127.4. We're taking the kids like a warrior, taking them as the arrow, and we're going to shoot them, shoot them directly, and we're targeting the enemy. We're targeting the mountains of entertainment. We're targeting the mountains of education. We're going to invade them. We're going to shoot them, and we're going to equip them, and we're going to do damage. Now, it's too long that the enemy's been doing damage to us and targeting y'all and us. So why don't we target them? The kids are equipped and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we've got, a, we've, got a, we've got an objective. We've got a motive with our kids. We're going to do damage. We're going to shoot them like arrows. You can go to the next one. Oh, how blessed are you, parents. With your quivers full of children, your now get this now, your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off their your doorstep. Why? Because of the kids, the children. Your enemies don't stand a chance if we'll get clued in to what God has in store for the children. We want prophetic words to go through, and what we've been what we have been doing since January is we've been getting the kids clued in to just like a radio station how you tune it in to listen to the game or listen to the the station you want to the music we have been getting them to tune in to what the spirit of the lord is saying now if you would go to the next one sister jenny now jesus said something john 27:10 he said my sheep hear me or hear my voice and i know them and they follow me. So the biggest thing we want to do is by hearing the voice of God, we want the kids to follow him. We want them to follow him. We see that programs have failed. We see that, you know, 
a lot of the things we've done in the church has, has failed in getting the kids to follow because what we've done is we just haven't introduced them to Jesus on a personal level. And that's what we want to see change. That's our heart's desire. Now, can kids hear the voice of God? Um, in 1 Samuel in chapter 3, let me just read it to you. You can turn there if you want to. <clears throat> Y'all with me? Mighty quiet. First Samuel chapter three and verse one. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. There was no frequent or widely spread vision. Now the danger with us in the prophetic and, and tuning into the voice of the Lord and what they were experiencing there is it, the word of the Lord was rare. Well, the Lord of the the word of the Lord is not rare now. So I don't know if if you've ever had something at the house that you've eaten and eaten and eaten and eaten, it's not so precious to you because of the availability. And the danger with us in the prophetic is beginning to hear the voice of the Lord and not treating it in His Word as precious because it's common. And we don't want to fall into the place of it's common. And, there's, and, and I'm going to read on in the story. The story goes that, you know, Eli had had instruction from God to get some things straight in his house and it was his kids and some things they were doing in the temple. Now, Eli was the was the priest. Now he represents the church or he represents what we know to be at the church at the time. Um now God goes let me let me just go ahead and read. At that time Eli, whose eyesight had dimmed so that he could not see, was lying down in the his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was lying down. When the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am, he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down again. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here am I. You did call me, Eli answered. Or I said, you did call me. Eli answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now this is real important. In verse 7, now Samuel did not, know, not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. Okay? Now... Here we are working with kids at an early age, teaching them to hear the voice of the Lord. Well, the question is, can you hear the voice of the Lord and not be saved? Um, definitely. Um, number one, the uh, Pharaoh that Joseph went to and interpreted his dream had a God dream, and he definitely wasn't worshiping the Lord. Um, we fail to understand just God's big enough and 
God can pretty much do what he wants to do, and he can talk to whoever he wants to do. But he definitely wants to talk to our kids. Now, here's Samuel, and the first time he hears the Lord, the first time he hears the Lord is a word, prophetic word for Eli. So we're teaching kids to hear the voice of the Lord for a prophetic word for somebody else. Now, in that process, what I believe is going to happen is the communication and identifying the voice of the Lord is going to bring them into who Jesus is. Now, when they get a word for somebody else, then it's also going to help them tune in and identify the word of the Lord for them. Okay? Now, we, with the concept, think, okay, they've got to say a sinner's prayer. They enter in the kingdom. They're born again. Okay? The Bible says that with the heart, a man believes into righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Okay? It's not walking down the aisle, shaking the preacher's hand, and saying a prayer. It's the day you believe. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Jack Frost, but Jack Frost was a shrimp boat captain in Daytona Beach. Now, he never said a sinner's prayer. Now, he's a minister today in preaching the gospel. He's never said a sinner's prayer. But out on the shrimp boat in Daytona Beach, he picked up a Bible, and he was as mean as they came. But he picked up a Bible, and he began to believe, or began to read, and then he began to believe. So, what I'm trying to say is, where do we decide or determine where somebody's really born again? It's when they believe. And out of their belief will become a confession of what they believe. So, what's wrong with in introducing and starting a conversation with the Lord? What happens if somebody begins to believe for the first time by just receiving the voice of the Lord? Now, I know that messes up theology. I know that messes up stuff we've been taught. But I want to stretch you a little bit. You know, if we can just introduce kids. You know, what really triggered this in me is about a year ago, I was riding down the road with a guy I worked with, and I asked him, I said, what is the Lord speaking to you? And he looked at me puzzled, and he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, what is the Lord speaking to you? And it just frustrated the mess out of him. And um, he said, I don't know what you mean by what's the Lord speaking to me. I said, well, the Bible says, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. So either you're not a sheep or you just haven't learned to identify the voice of the Lord. And really where we are in the body of Christ in, in, in a whole is we really just haven't learned to identify. It's not that you haven't been born again. It's not that... People haven't been born again. It's just that they haven't learned to identify the voice of the Lord. And the Lord is always wanting to speak. So it's tune in the radio, turn, tune in the frequency. Now, Jesus said that there was going to come a time, and the time has come, that the genuine worshipers of God would worship in spirit and in truth. Now, we know by spirit that He created us as a spiritual being, and He's a spiritual being, so that's how we connect is through the Spirit. But truth is reality. Now, you can't flip on your TV anywhere. If you have cable or, or, or dish, you can't flip anywhere without seeing two things. 
some kind of TV show on the supernatural or some kind of TV show that's a reality show. The world is hungry for the supernatural and reality. And our kids are craving it like never before. They're tired of some kind of image that doesn't look where you can even attain it in the church of what Christianity is supposed to be. They want transparency. They want you to be real. And they can smell something false a mile away. They can smell it. And they'll call your hand on it today like they never have. Now, in 96, I started youth ministry. And never was I challenged to the place I'm challenged now. We were reading Scripture in our house the other day. And I I may even go there. But in the story with um, Jesus at the well with the, the Samaritan lady, it said that Jesus read her mail. Okay, and what what mail he read is he said he told her bring your husband here. She said, "I have no husband." And he said, "You've answered correctly, for you've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband." Later on in the scripture, you turn the page, and it says that when she shared her testimony in the Samaritan town, that she said to all of them that he told me, that Jesus told me everything that I've ever done. Now, Sierra, and I don't mean to call you out, but Sierra challenged that. And the reason she challenged it is she said, how can God bless that when she lied? And what her point was is she's seen in one scripture where Jesus said, you've had five husbands and the one you're living with is not your husband. And then on the other page it said, He told me all things, and that didn't click with her. So what I'm telling you is there's a reality check that our kids will challenge, not because it's rebellion, but because they want reality. They want real. They want the truth. And if you don't have the answer, don't claim you do because they'll see right through it. Um, But the, the thing about it is, and the answer to that was, that Jesus did tell her everything. But I don't know about you, but would you have wanted everything that he told you in this book? Me me neither. So in other words, he read her mail a little bit further than her just living with somebody and having five husbands. Now, in the end of the book of John, it says that if everything Jesus did and said and the miracles he worked was to be printed, it wouldn't even be, the world wouldn't be enough to hold it. So that was one of those things that We just didn't have more insight into. Now, if Jesus was reading my mail, it would be okay if he put a little, but I sure wouldn't want it all. So that's what happened. Um, Now, back back to Samuel and Eli. Now, three times God called Samuel. Three times Samuel went to Eli. And Eli, on the third time, figured it out. Samuel, next time you hear it, it's the Lord say, Here I am, your servant's here. Now, I get a picture of where the church is today in that. The church's hearing has gotten dull. 
When it takes us three times as adults for God to tell us or to figure out that somebody's hearing from the Lord, we're dull. Okay? Um, now, one thing, there's another thing here that there's a, there's a danger. Where the word of the Lord is generously given, one of the checks and balances that you can always look at to see if we're holding the word of the Lord precious is are we following through with the last thing he spoke? Now think about it. What some of the words that you have had specifically, I'm not talking about just future things, but some things that God has put his finger on, whether in prayer time or whether it was through a prophetic word, and God brought your attention to it and said, maybe it's even in a direction that you needed to move in or something that we needed to do as a body or anything you needed to do in ministry, and God has spoken, and you still haven't done it or you haven't followed through with it. That is a check right there to show you that we're holding it common, that the word of the Lord is not precious because we've taken it too common and that word just floats around. If we're serious about the word that the Lord is speaking and we hold it precious, we won't be dull in our hearing. And I believe what made Eli's hearing dull is because he refused to listen to the last thing God said, and that was to get his house in order and get his boys straight. Okay? Um, Are you all with me? I'm about to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Back in John chapter 4 with the, with the woman at the well, Jesus gave her a prophetic word. If you'll turn over John chapter 4 real quick. In John chapter 4, verse 39, and I'm reading out of the Amplified. Now numerous Samaritans from that town believed in and trusted in him because of what the woman said when she declared and testified. He told me everything that I ever did. A prophetic word changed her life. A prophetic word released changed her life. If we'll tune in to the Spirit of God, what he's saying, and step out of our comfort zone, it'll change somebody's life. We're teaching our kids to hear the voice of the Lord so they can change somebody's life. One prophetic word changed her life. But not only her life, down in in verse 42, no, in verse 41, then many more believed to and adhered to and relied on him because of his personal message, what himself said. And they told the woman, Now we no longer believe just because of what you said, for we have heard him ourselves personally, and we know that he truly is the Savior of the world. Now she heard for herself a prophetic word. And then she introduced other people to Jesus, and they heard him for herself. That's the whole point of prophetic word, is to release 
a now on time word to somebody that will bring them a step closer to hearing God for themselves. And and that's what we're doing. And that's what we want to do. And we just we just have the freedom and the the um liberty and a safe place to do that in. And um you know in our generation we have you know for the past 9 years PWAC and the people before us have fought battles that I don't have to fight now. They prepared a way. Now we've got some more battles along the way. But you know my kids and your kids won't have to fight the things we fought. We prepare the way. And their kids will have just that much more grace to walk into things of God because they're not spending all their time fighting battles that we've already won. Now, that's what it's about. It's about the next generation. I mean, ministry is way bigger than me. Ministry is way bigger than you. It's, it's about the generations coming up. And, you know, when we get a, a, a glimpse and a view of that, why wouldn't we sacrifice our lives to lay down the things that seem so important? Why won't we lay them down for the next generation? Um, 